Hi, everyone. Welcome to our first podcast. I'm Taylor. Hi, I'm Mike. And this is Finance Fridays. So since this is our first discussion, I'm going to give you guys a little intro. Mike and I work together at Altius as certified financial planners. Mike is the owner of Altius Financial and has been in the industry growing the business for close to as long as I've been alive. I've now passed four years of building my career at Altius in addition to my college and internship experience. So he's definitely got the long-term experience, whereas I'm a little newer and we're hoping to bring in a diversified viewpoints and insight. This podcast is created as a platform for financial discussions. Getting your finances in order can be a tough task, but we see finances as a journey. Comparable to summoning a whole mountain range, each peak is both a challenge and a celebration, but it, it doesn't have to end with one summit. We believe life and finances are kind of a package deal. In both cases, you're setting goals that you want to achieve, and we're here to kind of help you work through those goals and how they relate to finances. We created this podcast with clients, friends, and family in mind. They often bring up useful questions or topics that would be helpful to discuss in a public platform where these ideas can reach more than just our clients and family. Our goal is to release each episode each Friday, hence Finance Fridays. Just a heads up, nothing said in these recordings should be taken as specific advice, and we'd always recommend that you'd reach out to your professional financial team before making any decisions regarding investments, taxes, estates, etc. Now let's get started. For our first podcast, we're kind of starting this off as a Q&A format, and we're hoping to get a little more experience and learn how to better do this going forward, but I hope you'll stick with us. Today's discussion, we're wanting to talk about what's going on in the markets, whether it's a good time to invest, and similar to that, we're, we're going to discuss a little bit about real estate. So let's get on to the questions. So Mike, are you, are you still there? Are you still with me? I'm still here. Yeah. You probably can hear my cat Luna in the background. You know, she has the, uh, she has the uh, zoom uh, and podcast radar or tell even a telephone call. You know, if, if she sees that I'm, I'm uh, talking to someone, then she's immediately going to get vocal. She's been trained somehow, but uh, she's got that radar going, but I appreciate you putting this together and, and letting us uh, experiment with it. And hopefully our audience will get something out of it. Yeah. Um, so similar to Mike saying that he's got Luna in the background, if you hear any woofs in the background or any kind of barking, my dog Riley, she's a mini Aussie. She is the most lovable pup in the world, but she definitely likes attention. So, so if you're hearing dogs or cats, that's, that's what we're working with. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm back. Perfect. Hopefully she'll cooperate with us. <laughs> yes. Fingers crossed. You know, I like um, that analogy you used, uh, about summiting 14ers or mountains or whatever. And I wanted to ask you if you had uh, met your goal for the summer of, you know, how many, how many uh, summits you, you uh, bagged this summer? Yes, I actually, um, I have accomplished all the summits except for one. So I really wanted to get just a regular 14er done. I did Mount Princeton. I wanted to do what's called the Decabloron. So I did Democrat, Lincoln, Cameron, Bross. And my final goal for the summer is a hike from Crested Butte to Aspen. And that's about an 11-mile hike across West Maroon Pass, ending at Crater Lake, right by the Maroon Bells. So I'm hoping to do that. It's actually in two weeks. I have it on the books. That's so. so that's okay. definitely on the books. You guys are planning on doing that uh, a couple of weeks from now? Yeah. Crescent and I are doing it. Crescent's Mike's daughter. She's listening. She's her and I are going to do this hike together. Yeah, I think that that analogy is uh, a good one because you know both of us and, and we have a lot of clients who are 
who are hikers as well. And I think it's, you know, apt in terms of being able to say, you always have uh, goals like that. And, and then, you know, you summit one and then you go, well, okay, now I've got more to go. And it's, that's kind of how investing and thinking about finances and goal achievement is in the first place. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's helpful to look at it that way because instead of saying, okay, I hit one goal and now I'm done. It's, it's not just looking at your finances as, okay, I just need to get to retirement. There's so many things between now and then. I mean, off the top of my head, I can think people buying cars, buying a house, planning for a wedding, all these life stages where you want to plan, save and invest for, and they're huge milestones in your life. So you definitely want to look at, at finance as the journey and not just the reach to the summit. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. So Mike, I've had a ton of people talking about, okay, market's up and then it's down. And what are your thoughts on what's going on overall in the market? Are, are you thinking, okay, everyone call up Altius. We need to, we need to get everything invested throw it all in the market or what's your outlook? The answer to that first question about whether they should all call us, absolutely. You know, we, we, we uh, especially with your addition over the last several years, of we provide a lot of value for people, and and so they should definitely be calling us to talk about their goals and their and what's going on in the world. Um, whether people should be investing a lot of money in the, quote the market is a whole different question. And you know, the, I got to remind you and our audience that the financial media and sometimes people in the financial services business use that term as shorthand. Investors use the term you know the market, but there's no real one market. A lot of times we're talking about indexes, you know, the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and those represent a swath of certain stocks. And they're, you know, they can be in, indicative of the way the stock market is going. But when we talk about the market, we should be more, you know, particular, you know, there's real estate markets and then subsectors of real estate markets. There's lots of stocks out there and geographic diversification. There's, uh, you know, how... Uh, whether it's uh, stocks in the U.S. or stocks overseas or stocks, uh, you know, measured as by capitalization or, or valuation. So there's a lot of different ways of talking about the market or markets because there's very, you know, markets boil down to people making trades, deciding to buy and sell something. And so the, there's markets all over the place. And it's, it's not really quite useful to say, you know, should people be jumping into the market? There's probably, in hindsight, there will be some, markets right now that people should have piled a lot of money into, but no one has that great a crystal ball as you and I've discussed. Before. So that's yeah. one point I would make, but you know, it's always time. It's always a good time to be an investor, to be thinking long-term and to be putting capital toward the long-term security that you want and balancing that against the current needs that you have. I don't know if that answers your question that well, but. No, that's, that's very helpful. Um, I think kind of in addition to what you were saying, similar to how people just say, oh, is it a good time to be in the market or what, what is the market? I feel a lot of people say, oh, I'm investing in stocks. And sometimes people don't really know what that even means. And so I would like to take a, just a quick second to clarify, stocks are actually just investing in companies. And so if people are saying, oh, I want to invest in a stock or I want to my money into this what they're really investing in i'd like to make it clear for our listeners is that you're investing in a company if you say i'm buying apple stock you are becoming a co-owner of the apple company or starbucks or amazon i mean any of those specific stocks that you're investing into that's actually company ownership which is kind of a crazy and cool thing to be a part of yeah absolutely i think uh even I even boil it down even more than companies. It's businesses. You know, it's 
it's businesses. I mean, it's maybe the same thing, but it's, it's companies and businesses. Um, so you're investing, you're becoming a co-owner, like you said, of a business. And that's the way we try to look at the, whether a stock is a worthwhile investment. Do I want to be a co-owner of this business? Yeah. So kind of discussing that same topic. I mean, do you have any thoughts on like the election? And I know I start off being general with, okay, what's going to happen to the market and the election? Maybe let's get a little more specific. What are your thoughts on maybe individual equities or maybe debt investments? So we could say, what do you have any thoughts on will people's bonds or like their money market funds, will their CDs be worth more or less kind of going into the election? Well, that's, that's a lot. I mean, the, the election, you know, and we, we had a workshop for clients and maybe this is a good time to plug the times that we do have formal workshops where we have clients participate and, and oftentimes have guest speakers. Um, so people should maybe look for those kinds of invitations. But since I've been a voter since, you know, which has been a long time, as you mentioned, the difference in generation that we have, I've continually heard all my life that this is the most important election of our lifetimes. And, and then the next election comes around and guess what? No, this one is the most important. It does seem like this is a big one uh, and that there's a lot of things that are you know, really, there's a lot of turmoil in our world right now. Obviously the pandemic, the, the virus, is still a big issue. Most people who are investors are aware of how much debt has been created by our government to provide things uh, by the government, um, whether you like those things or not, or whether you think they should be bought. I mean, there's just a lot of debt that's been created both by the federal government and state governments. Um, and that's that's definitely definitely impacting the long term of many investment markets, uh, whether it's you know stocks or real estate or gold for that matter. But I think the election is going to have some impact. I mean, certainly there were there really isn't a candidate who's talking too much about that debt situation. So that's in my view, that's a problem. You know, there's no one who's really addressing the long-term concern of whether we have a, a fiscally responsible government that does ultimately underlie a healthy economy. But yeah, that doesn't tell you necessarily what to do. So one of the key components of investing or uh, key concepts is to make sure, you know, if you know something, if you know a lot about what's going to happen in the future, then you should concentrate your investments around that knowledge. If you know, for example, if you know a specific stock is going to go up a lot because they're going to be having more sales or more products or, or you know, really disrupt their marketplace in a positive way, then you should invest more in that, that one company. Um, if you don't know, and that's part of the challenge right now, is most people feel like they know less and less about the future then it's important to stay diversified. We don't have that great a crystal ball and we want to make sure we're, we're having our clients stay relatively diversified based upon that lack of knowledge. Um, we do know that over time, taking some risk in owning businesses has been a really good thing. People who invest in the stock market, meaning buying uh, well-capitalized, well-run businesses over long periods of time, do better with their money than virtually any other way to invest. Even though it's you know time to be nervous and it's, it's certainly there's a lot of turmoil, it's still a good time to be invested somewhat in the stock market, depending upon whether you have that long-term time frame. So I'd like to clarify, are you saying that the key is to diversify primarily in the equities market? Or what is your thought on the ratio between debt securities and individual companies? Like, do you feel that so many people bring up the, oh, we need the 80-20 rule? Do you think that you need 80% stocks and 20% fixed income debt investments? Or do you feel that that can be more tailored to the specific person? Well, I definitely think it can be customized to a specific person and their timeframes and their tolerance. I mean, I, when I when I first started this business, it was sort of a hard rule that 
you know, what you do is you take someone's uh, age and that's roughly the percentage that they should have in more guaranteed fixed income bond type of investments. And then the balance would go into equities, which are more volatile, but longer term, better returns. So 80-20 would be someone in their 20s. Yeah. Someone in their 20s should have maybe 20% in fairly safe type investments and then 80% more risk. And so if, if someone's in their say 50s, it's half and half. And if they're in their let's say they're in their 70s, maybe they're going the other way. They have 70% of their portfolio and more safe investments. I think that rule is not so great anymore. It's a good guideline to start with, but it's not a good rule uh, to really, you know, take as a, uh, you know, a religious zealot or anything, uh, a hard, hard rule, because there's so many other forces in our economy. Um, bonds can be as volatile as stocks anymore. We've had a good long-term you know, bull market or positive environment for investing in, in bonds because interest rates have continually come down. I think it's possible that we're going to, you know, over time see that be not so positive for bonds. And so I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't follow that rule very closely. I still think people should have diversification and some fixed income, but it, it should be more driven by their timeframes. You know, and again, that is partly based on the age, based on, you know, how much risk you feel comfortable with and, you know, risk and volatility are, are not necessarily the same thing. So, that rule can work, but it's not, you know, I would, I would amend that a little bit. Okay. Thanks for clarifying. Do you think there's any specific type of investment to, to get into right now? I, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, hoping that there's going to be a housing market volatility coming forward. Do you feel that now is kind of a good time to look at real estate? And specifically, do you think that that varies by place to place? Because I've I've heard plenty about, okay, everyone's moving from the coasts in because everyone wants more space. So does that mean right now is maybe a good time for selling if you're in the middle of the country and a good time for buying if you're going to the outside? Or what, what are your thoughts on that type of market? Well, the timing is difficult on that too, but you're right. I mean, it's amazing how we've seen how the turmoil, especially in city centers, you know, protests and so forth have really made people who live in those city centers uh, think about whether they want to live in that kind of environment, the safety and so forth. So there is creating, that is creating an exodus in, in, in many cases to more rural or less densely populated areas. I mean, here in Denver, we're seeing that same phenomena in a micro basis. You know, if you live downtown, then prices are seemingly going down, but most other areas in the metro area are doing fine. And the, the further out you go from the city center, the more the prices seem to be holding okay. If you go up in the mountains or if you're looking at places that are more remote, it seems like prices are holding or going up. Whether that'll hold or not, I mean, I think one of the keys about real estate you have to focus on is that, you know, are we talking about a residence, you know, that I'm do I want to buy this as a, a place that I can live and thrive? Or am I also trying to make sure I make a lot of money on it? Most people are better off, you know, giving that question some balance, uh, not just trying to say, you know, how do I make my residence a great investment? Uh, you don't want to get killed on it, but you also want to make sure you're, you're balancing that against your lifestyle needs. So residential real estate versus investment real estate are, are, you know, those can be two different things. The other thing I would say about real estate is, you know, the Federal Reserve is definitely trying, has been trying and is, and is committed to trying to create more inflation. And that's usually positive for real estate prices over the long term. So a person, even though we have had price appreciation on real estate across the country, a person probably will do okay if they're a long-term investor in real estate generally. 
Now, I would, I would temper that with saying not necessarily with regard to commercial real estate, because as everyone knows, there's lots of us who are working, you know, you and I are having this conversation from our home and yeah. the whole uh, issue of technology and working remotely is a big factor as far as investing uh, commercial real estate. So that's, that's a whole different equation. If you're saying that the inflation is continuing to rise, is that going to be the same as far as trying to get a house? So when people are looking at mortgages, are they're likely going to have a higher interest rate going forward, do you believe? You know, it doesn't sound like it's quite a big deal right now because the, in one sense, the Federal Reserve is committed to keeping interest rates low. And the, this goes back to that debt issue. The whole environment we had is to make it easier to borrow and to think longer term about the debt that you have versus the ability to pay it back. So interest rates are probably going to stay low for you know, reasonable length of time. And so a person who's wanting to buy a home or, you know, real estate, re- residential real estate should be thinking about, okay, you know, can I buy something that I can, I can make sure that I can afford to pay back, but I might be able to qualify for a decent uh, loan if I'm, if interest rates are staying low like that. Okay. For people who are maybe my age or maybe even your age kind of saying, okay, I want to get into having a place that I live in. I, right now you can see, well, people who are watching this on YouTube can see the background. This is where I'm living and it, it's definitely a house and it's my home, but I don't own it. And one day I would like to own something. So what are kind of your tips and tricks for people who are maybe looking to save and wanting to get into actually owning their home? I'd say do your homework. I mean, try to understand all the all the costs and benefits of ownership, you know, including the tax benefits, because that's one of the issues is that, you know, our tax code gives people an incentives to to be owners of real estate. And and maybe those are good, maybe those are not good. I, I tend to think that they're they're distorting, you know, that that people who otherwise would be perfectly fine being renters kind of on the margin get pushed over to be saying, well, I want to, I want to be an owner because there's that tax benefit. So you want to understand all those, those issues, you know, taxes and all the costs, you know, including maintenance costs, including insurance costs, and so including HOA fees, including, and on the flip side with regard to, uh, you know, renter, you, what kinds of issues you have there. I think the biggest issue is, can you own for a while? You know, a person who's saying, well, I want to own because I want to get into a hot real estate market and make money could be setting themselves up for, for a problem if they aren't willing to hold for a long time period. And again, we've had price appreciation. So that does present some risk if you're already buying in at high prices. People, for some reason or other, people always think, you know, real estate's always going to go up. And just like they a lot of times think, you know, stocks are will always go up. And and this is more, you know, maybe my ideological argument kind of coming in. If you have a free, relatively free economy where contracts are honored and property rights are protected, then those are both the case. I mean, real estate and stocks, businesses will generally over time do well, but that doesn't mean you can't have you know time periods where there's significant risk and significant downturns. And so you got to watch out for that. So you have to say, am I committed? Am I committed to owning for X number of years? And I mean that with regard to real estate and stocks. Sometimes people because stocks are usually more liquid, you can get in and out of them faster without the same kind of, you know, anybody who's bought a house knows you have to go through a whole process to, to actually really qualify and buy a house and get the debt and so forth, unless you're buying cash. It's less liquid, but just because stocks are more liquid doesn't mean there can't be that kind of risk. And, and you have to look at, at them both as, can I be committed to this ownership for at least five to 10 years? I mean, you really want to be a long-term thinker with regard to uh, both the stock market and real estate market. And so do you feel that that five to 10 year time frame goes well for both markets? You think for a house and for an equity type investment, you should hold both for five to 10 years or? Um... 
should be thinking that way. You there. absolutely should be thinking that way. Certainly per, personal circumstances change and markets change. But when you go into buying a home or uh, buying a stock, you should be thinking at a minimum five years and, and probably longer than that. Okay. If you can't actually be an owner of, of your home uh, for at least five years, then you really shouldn't be considering you should be a renter. Okay. Are there other things that would lead you towards, okay, maybe you're not ready to be a buyer. Maybe this isn't the best investment for you. I, he- I heard you bring up, okay, look at the overall costs. I know from client experience, we've definitely had clients who've weighed, okay, well, renting, I don't have the maintenance fees. I don't have to do the lawn, that kind of stuff. Are there anything, anything other than the tax benefits that you feel makes being an owner more beneficial for further finances or um, well certainly one of the one of the big ones is um especially with lower interest rates is you have in a sense a forced savings program if you borrow you're continually adding equity to your overall portfolio um so you're you're gaining more security and building an estate so to speak by by continually putting money you know if you if i am a renter and i rent for 10 years and I'm happy in that place. At the end of the 10 years, I have no bigger net worth. All other things being equal, I don't have no bigger net worth. I have no, no real change in my wealth or security. But after 10 years of owning a property of, of you know, either buying into through mortgage or even if I pay in cash, the likelihood is I've got, a, uh, I've got equity in there and maybe appreciation on that equity. So it's a way that people, certainly having a mortgage and most people buy homes with a mortgage is in a sense a forced savings issue. But you have to counteract that with your, you are actually paying real interest out, which the, the renter is not. One issue is, you know, having, you know, most people do gain wealth over time, given the tax code the way it is, they do gain security over time by having that sort of uh, forced savings program. They build an estate just by having a mortgage payment and building equity in their home. And again, you know, if it's bought at a reasonable time in the right neighborhood and so forth, then you're probably going to protect your, your value. You're going to hopefully have appreciation over time. Whereas, you know, again, you miss out on that if you're a renter and that's, that's what gives people that incentive to say, well, you know, if, if I can get a home that I'm renting versus buying um, I'm building more security, you know, having, I mean, that, that backs up into the, the bigger financial planning issue. You know, I've talked about for, for a number of years now is just, you know, people building, you know, what does it mean to build equity? What does it mean to build a net worth to say, okay, now I have uh, value outside of my uh, daily or monthly or yearly earnings. I actually have value and more security in being able to make choices in my life about you know, whether, you know, how I live and whether I can retire and those kinds of things. Yeah. And just a quick side note, um, Mike brought up the net worth discussion. For those of you listening, we love to bring up net worth with clients to kind of say, okay, well, what, what are you worth? Like, what are you financially worth? And the easy equation for that is everything you own minus everything you owe. So things you owe, like my mortgage is $200,000 left. My credit card is X amount. My car payment is X amount is the total debt left on my car. So everything you own minus everything you owe equals your net worth. And so that's kind of saying, what do you have left at the end of the day? Continue on and maybe elaborate a bit from what Mike was saying. And it can be helpful to look at and go, okay, well, maybe you have a negative net worth. Maybe you just got out of college, you've got student loans, you've got a car payment, you wanna buy a house, but you've only got X amount of savings and it's kind of dwindling as you're trying to cover rent payments and stuff. Um, And I, I think it could definitely be 
one of those summits to reach for is to say, okay, when do I reach a positive net worth? And when do I reach um, maybe a hundred thousand net worth? When do I reach a million net worth? When, what, what's my next step to reach for? And, um, and it doesn't have to mean that you don't have any debts. Maybe you own a house and you have a mortgage, but you can still have a positive net worth at the end of the day. It's just yeah. something definitely to, to look at, to kind of, kind of calibrate, okay, where, where do I stand right now? A really good point to bring up and maybe it's, you know, a whole different uh, focus for another podcast session, but, you know, talking about financial statements, you know, if, you, if you're evaluating any stock or business, you want to know, you know, do they have assets and do they have debt? You know, what am I, what am I buying into? And, and you want to evaluate their own financial situation with sort of that uh, objective eye about, you know, are they building security? Um, and you do that through that net worth. Um, you know, it's amazing to me how many people might have good incomes, but they don't have any of it stick. And that's what we mean by saying, okay, what does your net worth look like? And, and lots of people come to us who might be relatively sophisticated people and knowledgeable, but they don't even know what their net worth is. And that's a great starting point. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think this has been a good discussion. I don't, I, um, it, it's brought up a lot of other things. I'm not sure we, you know, we got as specific as maybe some people might want, and that might be a good reason for them to call us and get specific with their situation. But I think it's a good, a good introductory podcast to talk about finance on Fridays. And uh, again, it's a good analogy to, to talk about, you know, life has, you know, peaks and valleys or, or maybe just waves. You know, you have, I sometimes use this analogy with my daughters, you know, um, you know when they were little and we'd take them to the beach, you could have a wave coming at you on the beach. And sometimes it you know, literally slam them to the sand. <laughs> They'd be like brushing sand out of their mouth and crying versus seeing the one, the wave come at them and just, you know, jumping up and hitting it and meeting it with joy and, and actually realizing that wave is, you know, while it may be kind of uh, cold and embracing, it's invigorating. So it's kind of partly how you, how you're dealing with what comes at you and how, you know, how you, how you experience it. Um, yeah. But I think those are good analogies for how, how we try to uh, help people make good decisions with regard to that long-term view of, of building more, more security and more choice, more freedom in their life. Yeah. Okay. Well, we hope to see you guys all next week. I hope that this was beneficial and sorry if we didn't get into specifics that you want to hear. If there are any specifics, sorry, you can hear Riley in the background that I told you about. Um, if there are any kind of specifics that you guys would like to discuss or have us discuss, um, please feel free to reach out. My email is taylor at altiusfinancial.com. And Mike's is, is yours Mike or Michael? Michael, Michael at altiusfinancial.com. Yeah. So feel free to reach out to us if you have any insight, thoughts, or if you want to suggest something for a future podcast. Great. We look forward to continuing this. Thanks, Taylor. I'll talk to you next time. Yeah. Thanks, guys.